Presenting Burn, Motherfucker, by Five Finger Death Punch. My heart is frozen. My soul's been broken. The whole world's on my motherfucking shoulders and I can't seem to control it. I can't contain it and I just don't give a shit. You need to feel the way that I feel, but you'll never fucking know it. Burn, motherfucker, burn, motherfucker, burn. You can try, but you can't reach me. Burn, motherfucker, burn, motherfucker, burn. There's nothing you can teach me in hell. got anything to uh kind of start us off with today my kid fucking bit me hard like (laughs) three hours before you got here oh man like it might be healing up by now (laughs) (laughs) i was like playing with i thought we were having a good time and then he just bites me on the boob like hard and i I was like ah what the fuck and he's you know he's one and a half so i'm yelling at him like that hurts me lucas (laughs) and he doesn't get it yet no he's just laughing and staring at me and i'm like (laughs) Are you doing this to kids on the playground? Are you the biter? You're, are you raising a little masochist, Cal? I, or apparently, a little sadist, rather? I, I guess. Well, as I realized, so like, I always thought, like, oh, man, those parents whose kid is the biter, like, they fucked up somehow. And now I'm realizing, <laughs> no. no, no, it's just lottery. You just had the biter. <laughs> He's got the biter genes. <laughs> yeah. Like, you, you can't control that. <laughs> Hopefully, he starts understanding soon where I can be like, that hurts people. <laughs> and yeah. he'll stop. Well, bite him back next time. That's not, I've heard of parents doing that. It's not the worst plan. For the record, Polishing Turds does not officially endorse child abuse. (laughs) All right. I I have a public service announcement. If you visit a coffee shop sometime this summer, if you order a drink at the register, when that drink is finished and it's called out, please pick it up. (laughs) Because nothing is more annoying to a podcaster than to have to shout eight times in a row, Bill, your sugar-free vanilla latte with oat milk is at the bar. <laughs> I mean, like it just, it just doesn't it stand a reason Cal that if you pay for something, you would <laughs> want to have it. it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you'd think he must've been that absorbed in his amateur screenplay. He was writing. in here. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I wish it was amateur screenplays and not just like looking at Instagram models on their phone. <laughs> like, that's a that's what my customers are up to. Harry Potter fan fiction. <laughs> Welcome to Polishing Turds with Nick and Cal. My name is Nick. I'm Cal. And this is the show where we take a deep dive into the wonderful world of bad music. Today, today we are talking about Five Finger Death Punch. Yes! A heavy metal band that's loved by millions and hated by actual metalheads. <laughs> I got my truck nuts, my amp energy drink. I'm ready. You got that Punisher decal on that truck? (laughs) Oh, you better believe it. American flag tattoo on my shoulder. Covered up loosely by your monster energy armband. 
Dude, if you guys think Limp Biscuit fans were douchey, you're in for a treat today. <laughs> no, like, and that's one thing I, I kind of noticed about this band is that in, in Limp Biscuit, we talked about the three dimensions, the aggro, bitch hurt my feelings, get the fuck up. And it's, there's going to be a lot of overlap with Five Finger Death Punch, except minus the get the fuck up. <laughs> yes. Because they're like, they're Limp Biscuit without the fun, goofy things that made yeah. Limp Biscuit enjoyable, like ironically to us. I know. I, I'm not going to be geeking out nearly as much with this one. It's no. Just take the most toxic parts of Fred Durst and say that's <laughs> what we want our message to be. Yeah, this double, is what doubling you get. down on on all of that and like just pumping steroids into it. Yeah, he's more like Fred is more like a skater punk. This is absolutely your psychotic hick relative that shows up and derails any gathering. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, Five Finger Death Punch fans, they they have a name much like uh, Slipknot's Maggots. Uh, they're called Knuckleheads. Oh, God. And uh, you just, like, we've we've already given you some of the tropes, you know, like shaved heads, you know, tribal tattoos, tank tops, like the kind of guys that, like, think they're cool because they read The Art of War, you know, in their early 20s and, like, maybe no other books. <laughs> I think that's given a lot of credit, man. <laughs> It, these are guys that'll like spend most of a first date talking about jujitsu. Yeah, that's what I was saying. <laughs> I don't think they've read a thing in their lives. They read like an article on hand to hand comment, like Maxim magazine, and that's what they're going off of. Maybe they, you know, read the first like two chapters of Chuck Liddell's biography. <laughs> <laughs> they made it two chapters into a Tom Clancy novel. <laughs> I know so much shit now. <laughs> they just like they think they're in SEAL Team Six after that. <laughs> <laughs> but they actually like work at Jiffy Lube and like you know hate their boss. And I I won't get too into it like too upfront because I know we have a lot to talk about. But it was interesting you say right off the bat hated by actual metalheads. Yeah, I am an avid metalhead. Yes, and I absolutely hate this band. And I'm gonna have a lot to say as we go through. No, this was uh so this was Cal's suggestion, and I like I wasn't even really familiar with Five Finger Death Punch when you uh, pitched this one, but I know that you are a very diehard metalhead, and you're kind of a good stand-in for the type of a. Uh, Let's call them, for lack of a better term, the metal intelligentsia, right? Sure. Like just the people who like just know. I'm not trying to like paint you as a like pretentious or anything, but you know all the subgenres. You <laughs> an absurd amount. It's a weird obsession of mine. You did a YouTube like video once of like the top 100 like death or thrash metal what was it death top 100 metal. death metal albums like the fact that you can even name 100 death metal <laughs> albums like just like, insane to me but like and this is a you know and some people for some people metal is like when they occasionally hear enter sandman yes or something from megadeth on the radio station and for some people metal is their life yes and that for the latter type of people like Five-finger death punch is a slap in the face. That is exactly right. It's not a five-finger death punch to the face. It is a weak, <laughs> limp-wristed slap that we just sit there going, what the fuck was that about? Why are these knuckleheads invading my scene and making people think this is what I listen to? <laughs> yes. For the punk rockers in the audience, this is like good Charlotte. or Yeah, like, that's a good analogy. You know, some, something along those well, lines. And we've talked about it. It's... Uh, like with Vanilla Ice, what he did to rap. Yes. It's very similar. It's, it's appropriating metal. Yeah. <laughs> so they take, uh, you know, they take the blast beats, some of the thrash metal riffs and like, but they're musically, we'll, we'll get into all this, but it's very simplistic. It's very on the nose. A lot of their, 
lot of their songs could just be emo, you yeah. know, if they just with a small number of tweaks. So for those of you non-knuckleheads in the audience, Five Finger Death Punch or FFDP, we'll use the two interchangeably, they are a five-piece metal band from Las Vegas, Nevada. And in an age where it's difficult for rock, let alone metal groups, to get success, Five Finger Death Punch have scored multiple platinum albums and have millions of diehard fans. To give you an idea of just how impressive this is, consider that since 2010, only six metal albums have been certified platinum. One is Metallica's Hardwired to Self-Destruct. The remaining five belong to Five Finger Death Punch. But like many bands we cover, FFDP are arguably hated even more than they're loved. Their style has been derided as bro metal. Their aggro lyrics and hyper-masculine image are considered toxic even by the standards of the genre. And the band's history itself is riddled with tales of alcoholism, abuse, and controversial politics. I know one of the things that... uh that helped sell me on this band was when you told me that they made an anti-mask video. <laughs> yeah. so. Or at the very least a, uh, how do, how do I word this? Like pro that kind of person video. <laughs> yeah. We, and we will, we will get into it later in this episode, but it's, it's pretty cringy if you're a thinking person, <laughs> but does five finger death punch deserve either the fame or the blowback they've engendered? Well, today we're going to strap on our brass knuckles and jab our way through this debate once and for all. You ready, Cal? I'm ready. Well, let's polish this turd. Five Finger Death Punch was formed in 2005 by guitarist Zoltan Bathory and drummer Jeremy Spencer. Bathory is an active martial artist with black belts in jiu-jitsu and judo. He actually, uh, just recently, like a week ago, he competed in a national jiu-jitsu championship and came in second. Wow. So it's we've got another Vanilla Ice situation. Okay, where, so he like, actually knows what he's talking about a little bit when he says, like, I could fuck you up. Like, yeah. He like, could. He, he, he can, for sure. And uh, the band's name itself is derived from the classic kung fu film Five Fingers of Death, which I haven't seen yet, unfortunately. So over the years, Five Finger Death Punch have gone through numerous lineup changes, but the core of the band centers around Bathory and singer Ivan Moody. Moody, a native of Colorado, 
was recruited into Five Finger Death Punch following his exit from the experimental new metal band Moto Grader. <laughs> that's what it would be if fred did it <laughs> yeah absolutely like don't, don't you just kind of like uh picture like like limp biscuit like without like, like the corny record scratches yeah and without the fred yelp <laughs> it's a, with a lyricist who or a, a vocalist who sounds like he has been through puberty <laughs> <laughs> no like yeah they're uh yeah they're a new metal band but they've got like a kind of an interesting gimmick going on so the name moto grader is actually named after an instrument that they specifically invented for this band it's this uh basically this set of industrial cables that are laid out horizontally and strung together with pickups and so you just kind of hit the strings or the cables with a a stick or a sure. rod of some kind and then you you, you obviously like uh, bend that to make uh, to make different notes and that's what kind of you know substitutes for the bass in this band that's is that, a, that instrument that's very similar to uh, primus has the whamola yeah, yeah. And I don't know if you know like the South Park theme they were using for all goes. <laughs> That's the whamola. Yeah, and it's very similar. It's it's like a crank and one string, and he just smacks that string and. Yeah, it's like very like almost like, almost more closer to performance art than like you know commercial in metal music. I like shit like that. That's why the Blue Man Group got big. Hundred percent. Yeah, I think uh, I think this band is overall way more interesting than five finger death punch <laughs> but, uh, we think that he should have stayed in that band apparently uh so do people on youtube <laughs> right <laughs> but nevertheless ivan's charisma as a frontman is a major reason for five finger death punch's success much like slipknot singer Corey taylor ivan's vocal style alternates between gruff screaming and tuneful singing and i personally don't think he's that bad of a vocalist uh, I I go back and forth on this. There's times where I feel like he ruins the songs. There's other times I agree with what you're saying. One thing I have to mention, and and we'll get into this when we start getting into what happened to them as they toured through the years. Mm-hmm. He can't do this shit live. Yes, he I, gets a lot of studio help. That is true. Like they, if you watch like even early videos of them live versus more recent ones, he's he's lost it over the years, and that's partly just because of doing it constantly but also he's put a lot of alcohol down his throat yes and that is that never works out too there's well. also a fun fact um this style of screaming yeah um 
the Corey Taylor style and the Phil Anselmo style. And he's not as good as uh, we're not arguing he's, he's as good as those guys. No, like not 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 bad news. I well, think so I'm just he's competent. There's a reason though that both Phil and Corey had to get throat surgery and then had to you know basically change how they sing. Yes, this style it's it's up front in your throat and it causes uh, vocal cord damage. Mm. And these really deep death metal growl guys, it actually doesn't do that. <laughs> no, it's it's that, a different, uh, yeah. That, that, that comes from the gut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's that up front, like, I'm in your face, like, yelling like I want to fight. Mm-hmm. That style you cannot maintain for 30 years of touring. Yeah, it's more of like a singing and barking is is what he's is what he does. Yeah. And uh, some people kind of get on him for, like, not being as good of a of a screamer as like certain death metal vocalists. But like, I just think, I think he's got a melodic style and I think it kind of works with what the band is trying to do much of the time. The exception being like when they have to do like a ballad or something where like <laughs> the singer has to carry it. Yeah. It, it's a little bit tougher for him to, to make that work. I have heard much worse singers. I'll, I'll at least say that I will give him that much. Yeah, definitely. But as a lyricist, Ivan just plain sucks. <laughs> like we, we, I think Cal and I both agree this is the band's principal weakness right here. Yeah. <laughs> so most of the time, his verses are like simplistic to the point of embarrassment. You know, it's just a lot of lazy, lazy rhymes, sophomoric angst. You know, just a lot of like rhyming, like care with there or like rain with pain and like just like that, that kind of <laughs> that kind of bullshit. Ivan, he makes fucking Fred Durst look like a poet laureate. Like, yes, he truly so does. I, absolutely. I mean, and I don't say that lightly, but like, like uh, let's let's give the audience just one sample of what we're talking about. And Cal, I actually want you to read this because. I just really love it when you read out these things. So so this is the song Anywhere But Here, as read by Calvin Dennison. Some say a storm's coming. Some say the end is near. He stole that from Tool, by the way. Some say it's all so hazy. I think it's all so clear. If it all ends tomorrow, and if it all disappears, where do you think you're going? Anywhere else but here. Deep, bruh. <laughs> Dude, I spent, I was up to like three writing those lyrics. You know, you joke about that, Cal, but I've seen uh, interviews with him where like he, he has like a whole room dedicated to like just writing lyrics. And it's got like, <laughs> it's got like just all these like paintings on the walls of like, oh, some no. bullshit. And like, it's just like, he's like, I gotta like, re- I gotta go into a deep mental space in order to like get these lyrics out. And I just got, it's like he's got to like tear deep down into his soul. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, oh God. It's I look so, at my biceps and the left one, it's, this is the thunder. The right one's the storm. And I think I need a rhyme for storm. What, what can I do? More, mourn, com- conform. Conform. Got it. I'll never conform. Oh, that's good. That's really fucking good. <laughs> And and meanwhile, it's like the type of shit that like a high school sophomore could belt out ten <laughs> minutes know. before English class. We used do you remember we used to do shit like that. We'd sit around the study hall. And we were supposed to be working <laughs> and write like fake cryptopsy lyrics and things like that. <laughs> yeah, this is like that. Except the dude just like hung on to those napkins and like <laughs> waited to the day where he had to join a band. It's because he lifts with one guy who is genuinely impressed. He's like, whoa, these are your lyrics? You're lyrics and shit? <laughs> Holy fuck, man. I can relate to this. 
it all disappears, where am I going? Anywhere but here. Other times, the cringe factor in Ivan's lyrics comes from just how hard he tries to sound tough and manly. Here's another excerpt from a song called Bulletproof. Alright, this is straight from the soul, everyone. <laughs> you can take my money. You can take the ride. You can take it all, but never get inside. You can't take my honor, and you can't take my soul. You can't take the fact that you'll never have control. You won't break me, no matter how you try. You can't shake me down. I'm fucking bulletproof. <laughs> he didn't even rhyme the last one. I can't think of a rhyme for try, no matter how hard I try. Oh, I'll just use that. I'll use that. It's great. But, like, do you see what I'm, what I'm going at? Like, just, like... What kind of person needs to, like, assert how tough they are that much unless they're massively insecure inside? I, I, I can't wait till we start, like, analyzing the psyche of an Ivan Moody because yeah, there's you, a lot going on there. Yeah, and, like, if you want to know, like, if the personality matches the lyrics, just just buckle up, my friends. <laughs> he looks ex- <laughs> You can guess. We'll yeah. just say that. Now, we're not going to get into the debate over what exact subgenre of metal FFDP falls into, but. Poser metal. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But the band does have a signature sound. It's uh, defined by these heavy, chugging riffs, kind of groovy rhythm section, and tight, flashy guitar solos. The songs rarely deviate from the standard verse chorus verse formula, and nearly all the tracks clock in between three and four minutes. Like we said, like it's it's pop music, essentially. Yep. Now, in terms of FFTP's influences, there are many, but the band that seems to have had the most direct impact is none other than Texas's own Pantera. Fun fact for you, Nick. This album by Pantera is actually fairly hated by metalheads for a lot of the same reason. I could, yeah. I mean, I could, you hear a song like Walk, and it's a better, it's actually a much better song than it appears if you really dive into it, but you could trace a line between Walk and a lot of new metal, I think. Yeah. Oh, big time. That that album set the template for bro metal. Yes. It's like it it's the one that spawned it all. It's kind of a Pandora's box and it always makes it into like best metal albums of all time list. I think solely based on Rolling Stone magazine editors that are basing it <laughs> off sales more than what fans actually think. And also maybe just kind of loose like nostalgia for Dimebag Daryl who passed away in yes. 2005. 
it's it's a good album it's definitely good it's it's not it's less polarizing than say like the black album yeah is to metalheads but it definitely you most of us look at it kind of going like this is how five finger death punch came to be and they are very kind of bro-y like they present this image of being like just like the dirtiest nastiest guys at the bar who will yes smash a bottle over your head at a moment's notice but there's i think there's just a slight touch of I don't, I don't want to say irony, but like there's a there's a a little bit of a tongue in cheek quality to some De- of it. Definitely. Like, so you just you just take that little sliver of uh, of irony away, and you've got Five Finger Death Punch, who, for all I can tell, are genuinely trying to present themselves as that ultra aggro bro and not oh self aware about it at all. Yes. Pantera may have set the sonic template for FFDP's groove heavy style, but when it comes to image. The band leans heavily on trappings associated with martial arts, weaponry, and especially military culture. Five Finger Death Punch has a massive following among active and former U.S. troops, and it often feels like the band is deliberately pandering to them. Consider the following song and album titles. Preemptive Strike. War is the Answer. Got Your Six. Battleborn. Fire in the Hole. Death Before Dishonor and no one gets left behind. Just to name a few. Indeed, the language of combat is as central to FFDP's identity as marijuana is to that of Snoop Dogg. That is very true. And we'll talk a bit about this more later, but like, I don't think any like major mainstream band in, in rock leans as heavily into like the support the troops stuff as five finger death punch no i don't even think country bands do (laughs) yeah i know right this is hardcore like i'm a fucking american i'm right you know like yeah it's like all the stuff that like your your right wing fox news watching uncle kind of thinks yes intuitively just completely amplified hard and uh and we talked about zoltan being a uh a martial artist, but I don't think any other members of the band have been in the military for what it's worth. (laughs) They just kind of suck their dicks a lot. (laughs) In 2007, Five Finger Death Punch released their debut album, The Way of the Fist. It immediately made an impact on the hard rock world, driven by its lead single and longtime fan favorite, The Bleeding. Yeah, this is actually the one that I first heard of this band mm. through. I was cooking at uh, the Blue Moon at the time. Yeah. 
and I was uh, prepping vegetables with this new guy we had just hired who's an ex-con. <laughs> and we always had J.J. Odon down there. Yeah. And this song came on, and he like he went nuts. He was like, oh, yeah, I love this song. It's so fucking good. And he looks exactly like you think he would. Oh, God. And I remember, you know, at the time, I was listening to a lot of classic rock, and I was kind of just thinking, like, this? Like, I could show you, like, so much better, better metal, dude. And, and I did not know at the time that I would be having that exact reaction to this band for the next 15 fucking years. No, it's like, and, and that type of guy, that, like, kind of, like, tattooed, ex-con like barely functional member of society like uh you know unless they are seriously musically interested like a band like five finger death punch comes along they're saying these very on the nose lyrics like if this song's about a breakup obviously Mm -hmm. supposedly it's inspired by something that really happened to ivan moody like uh and later she supposedly showed up at a concert in arizona and like it kind of sounds too good to be true that that, that <laughs> happened to him, but he says it's a gut wrenching moment in my life or something like that. <laughs> but, but but regardless, like it's just like this is emo plus ba- blast beats, right? Yeah, like for real. Like it's just uh, and it's it's the same. It's emo for people who want something a little bit harder edged and less uh, less stigmatized than right. Emo. It's it's not so if you can picture that course is like the lying. The bleeding picture the with lying, the, yeah the picture of the emo singer <laughs> the lying and it's yeah it's 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 for the manly man yeah. he doesn't want to get his emotions out in a vulnerable way yeah he wants to force them upon you it's like he he comes to the brink of acknowledging that he has an emotional inner life but then just when he's about to have that breakthrough he just turns it around and punches you in the face <laughs> and there's there's a common theme that we'll get through through all these songs of malignant narcissism at least that's what i think (laughs) yes all these songs are about how all this shit has happened to him and it's everybody (laughs) else's fault like 10 times what fred what we all everything we talked about limp biscuit uh-huh it's that but even worse somehow i would say it's like almost worse than lincoln park like yeah. it's 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 that same thing. You you did this to me. You suck. You're the reason I'm in pain. It's like <laughs> every goddamn song is like that. We'll get to a few more and you'll start to see exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, in spite of that, and like I think the bleeding's actually kind of a fine song, you know, for what it is, but most of the album is actually pretty close to like a classic thrash metal and uh, it, Yeah, it is. That's fair. Or at least trying to be. And and you know, I hate to, I hate to be that guy again. You know, we're, I feel like we're always saying this, but I think their first album is their best album. I agree with you, and <laughs> I think it. As a, the thing is, the reason we're always saying that it's a pretty common thing. You know, the band, the, the, that saying of like, you have your whole life to write the first album. Yes, I think it's true. There's a lot of bands that the first one's genius, and then the rest is kind of following the motions. <laughs> Well, and not I'm not trying to call this album genius. <laughs> no, but like it's definitely it's a solid metal album. Like if you didn't if you were around in 2007, this comes out, these guys are nobody. They're like just you know, they're on the lower stage of whatever Milwaukee festival that you're at and they come on, they play their stuff. You're like, "All right, that's pretty good." Like, you know, nobody has five finger death punch tattoos yet. So like it's good for for what it is. So I want to I want to play like at least one more song from this album that illustrates that point. So this is a kind of one of the more thrashy songs on the album. It's called a it's called a place to die. 
See, I'll I'll admit, it's a good guitar line in that song. Yeah, no, it's uh. You can't shake a stick at them for like the music itself is shitty. No, they, they clearly have talent and know how to use their instruments. Yeah, no, it's it's well executed. In 2009, Five Finger Death Punch released their second album, War is the Answer. This one included a popular cover of the song Bad Company by the band of the same name. <laughs> this, is, this is like this is one of the ones that kind of catapulted them to the next level. Yeah. We won't play we won't play this one for you guys or should we? No, yeah. I don't. No, okay, yeah. The thing you, is you you're going to hear a lot of shitty covers of songs you liked. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's kind that's of one thing of their they trademarks. Do. Yeah. But in spite of that, in my view, it wasn't until the band's third album, 2011's American Capitalist, that Five Finger Death Punch really came into their own, and at the same time became the cringy monstrosity that's embarrassed metal fans ever since. So Ivan Moody is a graduate from the Billy Joel school of like, just name a bunch of random buzzwords and call it a song. Motocross, men's nipples, switchblades, PBR. (laughs) It's like, what is he saying? These are just things that people I hang out with like. (laughs) That, and that whole album, it's, it's kind of trying to be deep, you know, it's, (sighs) but it's so not. It to me it borders on propaganda at times. Yeah, even the first lines of the first song are uh, I yeah. don't remember them verbatim. So but the, the, op- the opening song is the title track "American Capitalist," where it's like you know I'm a it's like I'm a goddamn American capitalist. Like, and it just theoretically he could be trying to posture as a unrepentant you know American cap- businessman or or some shit like that. But I think I think they're also weirdly wrestling with the fact that they're starting to get legitimately famous and wealthy and successful and they're like kind of trying to like apologize and not apologize for it i I don't know man i i feel like it's just straight up pandering of this is the type of people that already like us yeah let's just lean hard into that yeah i don't know Hard well, to say. Somebody likes Johnny Cash. Somebody likes PBR. Somebody likes Pepsi and <laughs> yeah. Brett Favre and King James and all the things he mentions in that song. So, just like it's like uh, you know, it's like we didn't start the fire. It's like uh, you know, the heart of rock and roll. We just name a bunch of cities and like <laughs> you know, like every every radio station on the map will play this song. It's genius. It even has Millennial Whoop in it. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. No, and you can already tell. Severe musical devolution from the clip we played you like a minute ago. Yes, no, they are they are definitely like making full on 
pop, yeah, pop it's metal, pop music. Yeah. It really is. And you know what? Uh, people did respond. This album debuted at number three on the Billboard charts, and it was the first Five Finger album to be certified platinum. So the band, you know, bursting with creative energy, they uh, they released a double album the next time around in 2013. They released uh, two discs called The Wrong Side of Heaven and The Righteous Side of Hell. Uh, volume 1 was released in July of 2013, and Volume 2 came out in November of 2013. I guess this is like their Use Your Illusion or some <laughs> shit like that, but just like shitty. <laughs> like... You know, but uh, nevertheless, uh, this album includes uh, some of my like ironic favorite songs by Five Finger Death Punch, um, including this song, which might be one of their most aggro of all songs. It's called Burn Motherfucker. Yeah. Dude, let's go beat up my neighbors when we're done recording. <laughs> like, how many people out there actually have some, like, specific nemesis that is, like, I mean, the lyrics to that song are, like, I swear you're out to get me. I'll, I'd live, but you won't let me. <laughs> like, it's like, who has that figure in your life? I mean, this, this, although the people that embrace this kind of shit are the people that, like, want to apply that sentiment to, like, their girlfriend's stepdad who, like, right. criticized their white dreadlocks. This is why this is perfect music for the guy who gets in a fight every time he's at the bar. <laughs> yeah. It, it, this is the guy that is, like, just always is, like, super machismo and angry at the same time. It's, like, the fuck you say to me? Super sensitive and thin skinned. Like, you say the wrong thing. He's like, what the fuck? I know, like, uh, you just, you make one snarky remark about his tank top, and all of a sudden, like, all you the shit- You calling me gay, motherfucker? <laughs> yeah, all the shit his dad screamed at him when he yeah. was six, like, <laughs> comes to the surface. <laughs> now, these albums also continue the band's tradition of butchering classic songs, including this head-scratching cover of LL Cool J's Mama Said Knock You Out. Oh, boy. <laughs> Like a monsoon, listen to the bass go boom. It's boom. It's a 
I haven't laughed that hard at a song since we did, like, I love you by Vanilla Ice. You know, I was going to reference that. Like, remember Vanilla Ice's new metal version of Ice Ice Baby? Like, (laughs) this is that. It's the the exact same thing. Dude, this is like, actually, you know, we were talking about how the Monstars theme was actually really good. This is what it should have been. Like, this is is the music the Monstars actually think in their heads when they're like... (laughs) playing basketball no like public service announcement if you are in a metal or hard rock or new metal band like just do not do rap covers it just it doesn't work it does you can't like just leave it alone it's fine these lyrics are gonna make you call the cops <laughs> i'd rather see you just do an ironic cover of barbie girl or something like that yeah, just don't seriously don't touch else. ll cool j <laughs> uh. by this point five finger death punch were one of the biggest bands in hard rock but now comes that seemingly inevitable part of the episode where i tell you all about how the burden of fame began to grind this band down And indeed, in the case of Five Finger Death Punch, the constant touring, endless pressure, and snickering criticism wore on all the band members, but perhaps none more so than singer Ivan Moody. I am so surprised that the man that this emotionally fragile man was upset that anyone was making fun of him. Yeah, you you think the guy that like complains about what a mess he is on every song like couldn't handle like uh, the pressures of like constant fame and and attention and shit. Well, that's what's so weird about his lyrics. It's like I'm so tough. I'm so tough. Here's all the things that upset me. Like it's I don't know. I just it doesn't make sense to me. It's like he's trying to convince himself. Yeah. That he actually is tough when he knows it's not true. Most people who just like know human psychology and have some sense of self-awareness will pick up on that right away. But guys like the, your, your coworker at the blue moon, like, like they, they will completely miss out on that. Well, they're that guy. They're the same way. (laughs) So they take it all at face value. I'm a motherfucking dangerous guy. Why does no one like me? They can't put two and two together. (laughs) So Ivan Moody once described himself during this period as a, quote, totally functioning alcoholic. Although in my view, the adverb functioning is rather debatable. Moody's drinking was so bad during this period that he says he would play a show in front of 20,000 people and wake up the next day remembering none of it. He was almost constantly wasted, and it brought out the worst in him. In April of 2014, Moody was arrested by Australian police on charges of sexually assaulting a female flight attendant. But that was a mere prelude to the ugliness that came next. In April of 2015, Ivan Moody was arrested in a Las Vegas hotel after savagely beating Holly Smith, his on-and-off girlfriend of 17 years. Although the charges were later dropped, police claimed Moody put Smith in a stranglehold, shoved a blanket down her throat, and shouted, I'm going to fucking kill you, before repeatedly punching her in the face. And while to this day... FFDP fans find ways to excuse this violence. There are photos of Holly Smith's black eye out there, busted blood vessels and like clear marks of physical violence on her face. That's a that is a matter of public record. And <sighs> I'm not that surprised they defend it. Cuz you got to think this this group has a if you did a Venn diagram of five finger death punch fans and Trump voters, 
Yeah. It's pretty much an overlap, and these guys defended Trump through all and almost all the things he's done. Trump and like every guy that gets accused of something well, like this. These types of guys, like if they perceive he's on my team, now it's defend him no matter what. Yeah, and like it's just like they don't they lack the emotional depth and humility to say like okay i liked this guy's music it spoke to some part of me for a while but but then i but i that i learned about what he did and it made me change my opinion of him like no like moody's my daddy he's got to be right he's like a <laughs> stepfather to me like I, I refuse to believe this bitch is lying fuck her oh, and there's there's room for nuance there too and that's what the, these types don't get of like you don't have to swear off Five Finger Death Punch records for the rest of your life. Yeah. And at the same time, admit Ivan's kind of a piece of shit. Those two things can coexist. Yeah. Like you can, like there's, there's room for, you know, this all goes into the debate of, you know, balancing the art versus the artist, which we're not going to get into, but at the very least, don't defend him and don't try to minimize what this woman, yeah. uh, somebody did this to her. Somebody obviously messed her up. Unless you think the police were lying, Five Finger fans are also like big fans of the police yeah, too. Yeah. So how do you square that? Police never lie. <laughs> so, and like, uh, and the band's label didn't really help when this first came out in the press. A lot of uh, papers inaccurately reported that uh, Holly Smith was Ivan Moody's wife, and like they just they just got that she was his girlfriend, not his wife. They just get that wrong. Sure. Sometimes you get minor details wrong in in news reporting, and they issued a correction. It happens. But they kind of seized upon that and be like, you know, they tried to seize upon that to claim that the whole story was bullshit. Right. You know, so it's just it was really just kind of disgusting the way that whole thing played out. So this kind of kicked off a very troubled period for Five Finger Death Punch. Um, So during this period, uh, the band got sued by their own record label. It's it's very complicated, but basically there was a question of breach of contract and uh, and the label basically saw that Ivan Moody was like just this completely disheveled, like non-functioning alcoholic during this period. And so they tried to I think they kind of tried to sue their way out of it. So it, it was just the whole thing was a complete mess. And then uh, there was this other like there were many incidents during this period. But one that uh, that I thought was interesting was in November of 2016, Ivan Moody showed up to a show yeah, too drunk to perform and uh after he walked off stage he later claimed that it was because his mother was dying and he couldn't emotionally handle it now the problem with that was that reporters checked in on ivan moody's mother turns out she was just fine yeah and that's why i laughed I like, I did, maybe i spoiled it it's dude that's like why would you lie about something so easy to that's, disprove that's the dog ate my homework yeah it's like come on dude uh, like, I, I can't do this why not i my, my mom is dying i guess <laughs> I know, it's like that's like a michael scott thing to do <laughs> and then uh and then it kind of reached its peak uh, a few months later. They were performing a show in the Netherlands. And uh, for this one, Ivan arrived uh, 10 minutes late. And apparently it wasn't the first time because they all the band already had a singer who was ready to fill in for him. It was uh, Tommy Vexed from the band Bad Wolves. Yep. And so he like there's video of this entire performance online. Um, look up, just Google like uh, Tilburg Netherlands uh, Five Finger Death Punch. 
And so Tommy Vex performs the first two songs and he, and he does a reasonable job and the band doesn't seem too displeased to have him there. Right. Yeah. It's some stability here. <laughs> yeah. And so, and then uh, Ivan shows up kind of in mid song and the crowd cheers like, yay, here's our, here's our guy. And then Ivan sings a song and then they go backstage for a while. Like the, the stage goes dark and then like five minutes later they come back out and Moody makes a big stink about how he's the only real singer of Five Finger Death Punch. Ugh. And then he does he does all this like posturing and uh, they're just talking all this shit. And then the band like looks like very just kind of disgruntled and annoyed with him on stage. And uh, and like just in between songs, they're like bickering with each other. Like you can tell like they are not having a good time. And they keep going back off stage to like, I guess presumably they just like argue with each other. And then at one point they come back out to perform another song. And Ivan Moody says, uh, just so you know, this is my last show with five finger death punch. <laughs> He's an emotional child. I know. It's I you know, I use the word narcissist very purposefully. He's yeah. That type of person, it's they have a, a strong victim mentality of you know, how could my band do this to me? And it's well, it sounds like you've been showing up drunk and late for a long time, man. Yeah, like you did this to you. Yeah, like they're just trying to like give the fans their money's worth, and you're you're completely fucking everything up. So it kind of reaches its peak when uh, during actually during the song "Burn Motherfucker," lead guitarist Jason Hook throws his instrument to the ground, and he walks off stage. <laughs> and so the rest of the band they're just kind of standing there, kind of looking at each other, like and. Uh, they kind of try to awkwardly keep things going. Like uh, Ivan says to the crowd, like, say, burn, motherfucker, burn, motherfucker, burn. <laughs> and the crowd chants, burn, motherfucker. Like, but they can only do that for so right. long. <laughs> so, so before How they, many burn motherfuckers <laughs> do I have just, before they're bored? And eventually they realize that Jason isn't coming back. So they just finish the song and that's it. <laughs> like, Wow. So the... The whole show is a goddamn train wreck, and it's pretty funny to watch. (laughs) So, but this was kind of that, you know, like straw that broke the camel's back moment in terms of forcing the band to force Ivan Moody to confront his issues and, you know, enter rehab, basically. And to give you an idea of just how bad his alcoholism was at this point, when he entered the rehab facility, his blood alcohol level was 0.36. Ivan claims that he couldn't walk or use the bathroom for the first few days of his rehab stint, and the clinic even hired a staff member to monitor him 24-7 just to make sure he didn't die. Yeah, at that point, when you when you can even get to 0.36 and not die, yeah, yeah, you're at that point where you need it when you wake up. Yeah, that is that is like you know, bottle of vodka like before you have a glass of water or orange juice in the morning. Yep. That's like that's very severe. But you know, ultimately he did manage to get clean to his credit, and by all accounts he has been healthy and sober ever since. So I guess I'll give him credit for that. <laughs> now he's just a sober toxic narcissist. Yeah, I mean he should be in jail probably but like at least he's sober i guess <laughs> nevertheless you know as, as you can tell from the years 2015 to 2018 roughly this band was a mess and their albums from this period you know they proved that all this non-stop chaos dampened what little creativity they had to begin with i want to highlight uh 
their 2015 album got your six it's their sixth album it's called got your six uh, get it <laughs> that's so clever bro <laughs> how, how late did you stay up thinking of that I, I usually get to bed around three but you know <laughs> it seems like that was like four <laughs> yeah it took me forever to figure it out but it was fucking genius and, and this album, like all of that macho aggression that we've been talking about, it just, it devolves into self-parody. And I wanted to play for you the album's closer, a song called Boots and Blood. And on this album, Ivan Moody seems to channel his inner chocolate starfish. Think of one word to change the world and now put it into action. Cal, I'm so scared that these guys are just gonna mow me down with an M60. They're just, they sound so tough. <laughs> I, just, I don't get what their lyrics mean half the time. He's like, you know, to end it all, to fight it all, and then two seconds he's like, "Fuck it." <laughs> <laughs> this is these are all the reasons I'm mad at my stepdad, dude. I'm I, I'm actively losing brain cells doing this episode, dude. I had to listen to this band for a month. Uh. <laughs> But if you think that's bad, the band's next album is even worse. This one is called And Justice for None, which, of course, is a take on Metallica's And Justice for All. And this is the one that even hardcore Five Finger Death Punch fans, like, usually this one, they're like, eh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> Every band has one of those. Yeah. This, this one, like, there were so many ones I wanted to pick, but we only have so much time for you. So I'm going to play the album's uh, lead single, a song called Fake. Dude, I feel like we did Limp Biscuit dirty, you know, like 
if you, no. if you compare like counterfeit those yes. themes of being fake to this again it's like fred durst looks like a pretty smart guy <laughs> like, i know like this is so bad <laughs> maybe that's a statement of just how society has regressed in the past like 30 years but um that <laughs> and you know just like so just conjure if the type of person that would identify with that song like it's it's gotta be people they're they're like angry and they don't understand why or at what it's just generic like just generic they they are a fake motherfucker i hate you motherfucker that can apply to anyone you don't like it's because like they work at taco bell and like they have another guy who works the same shift at Taco Bell, but the other guy shows up on time, tucks in his shirt, is nice to customers, and is you know speedy yeah. with the orders. Fuck that guy! But the, so the manager likes the other guy better. But you know these the five finger employee is like just disgruntled, like oh, he's a fake motherfucker. I hate Todd. Why did he get a ten cent raise? <laughs> <That's what. laughs> so yeah this is uh and this whole album like this is kind of ffdp's you know fuck the critics album like we we always mention how at some point a band releases an album that is just all about like how we don't care what you think to all the people that are justly (laughs) criticizing them and all those albums have a common theme of it seems like you really care. Yes, like you could, you realize you could write about anything. Like you could write about right. the snow-capped mountains of Nepal. Like, <laughs> but you're writing about how this TMZ guy fucked you over, which is in one of their songs. Oh God, yeah, true artists when they when they are at their don't care album, they do something completely out there and weird. You know, here's ten songs about ham sandwiches in an avant-garde style. Like that's how you say fuck you. Yeah, just like you you make it musically difficult to or musically challenging, you know, to wrap your head around. Not just be like if you are let's say let's say for the sake of argument, there is a fake motherfucker out there that <laughs> this song was directed at. That person hearing this song, are they going to reevaluate their life? No, they're trying to become more genuine. Like, Dude, I have a song about me now. I got under <laughs> Ivan's skin that fucking bad. That's awesome. And there's a there's a quote from roughly this time period. There's a song on this album called Champagne. It's it's S H A M space P A I N. Like oh, get it, champagne, oh, champagne. I know. This is this is like as clever as this band gets, but dude, you keep pulling all nighters and coming up with this great stuff. <laughs> I drink sixteen Red Bulls. It took me to a higher place, but like, so this is what Zoltan Bathory had to say about that song. He says, "Quote: Everyone has a different way of dealing with moments when life hands them lemons. Some complain and some make lemonade. Us, we pour gasoline on it and then we hit it with a rocket launcher." <laughs> And then later I die from scurvy because all I really have is the lemons. <laughs> it's like way to like miss the metaphor, dude. Like, I feel like that quote encapsulates Five Finger Death Punch perfectly. Yeah, they would they would rather starve to spite you than just eat some lemons. Yeah, they'll they'll, they'll launch a rocket launcher at a lemon just to prove like that they are more hardcore than you, bitch. Dude, if they had gas in a rocket launcher and we were in some <laughs> apocalypse situation where like all they were left with was lemons, think how many lemons you could get if you yeah. just traded. No, you, you could ward off rickets for like no, dude, a I, long time. I, I watched uh, Waterworld recently and like, you know, like a guy like 
like goes out of his way to steal another guy's uh, lime tree because it's an extremely valuable commodity in that yeah. situation. <laughs> or instead of blowing up the lemons, just be like, give me all your fucking lemons. I have a rocket launcher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> In 2020, Five Finger Death Punch released their most recent studio album, F8, or Fate. Jesus Christ! It's their eighth album, Ugh. and this one's called Fate. <laughs> just, just if you if you're at home and the knife is to your neck because like you're so overwhelmed by the creativity of Five Finger that you realize you'll never accomplish like this level of genius in your life, just. I'm it, it gets better people. I'm so I'm so sorry. Someday, someday if you work really hard, you'll be as clever as Ivan Moody. <laughs> just hold on, people, people, just hold on. But actually just kidding aside, like this album I think is marginally better than the previous two records. You know, it's got more sonic diversity, a little bit better songwriting. You know, there's more kind of strings and slower songs like so they're they're at least trying. And this is the first album that they all did completely sober. So at least has that going for it. And I won't like harp on it too much, but I wanted to play uh, one particular song from this album. And this, it's not really notable for the song itself. It's notable for the music video that accompanied it. So this came out uh, in October of 2020, right during the middle of the COVID pandemic and right during the middle of the uh, American election, which, as you'll recall, was a very tense time, a lot of uh, anxiety going on during that period. So Five Figure Death Punch put out uh, this video for the song Living the Dream. And this is the one that we mentioned earlier that many people accused of being anti-mask. So right now, Cal and I are going to watch the video in its entirety and we're going to react uh, to it and uh, let you know what we think. All right, let's do this. All right. So this it opens with an epigram. Fiction reveals truth that reality obscures. Ralph Waldo Emerson. Who they all have extensively yeah. read, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so now, uh, can you describe what's happening, Cal? Yeah, we got zombies and they're grabbing onto a shopping cart. A shopping cart filled with toilet paper because, like... Yep, everyone was hoarding toilet paper. Yeah, they're still making those jokes six months after the fact. And apparently, you know, us normal, us people are the zombies. Yeah. Now we've got a drunk-ass Captain America snorting coke in the bar off his own shield. <laughs> yes. Mao and hot dogs. <laughs> right, got a beer gun. Yeah. And... and and now they're throwing up at the bar captain. The, these two competing Captain Americas, I guess. Oh, and he's got a Tide Pod. Iron Man's eating Tide Pods. So now you've got a line of people, and they're all, like, putting on masks. And this woman who's wearing a... Is that a, a Star of David? That's No, no, that's oh, okay. a Chinese star. Oh, okay. Like, so she's got a button with the Chinese, like, st- like kind of a vaguely Chinese, like, logo on it. And so she puts, and so there's this like straight white, all American male, and uh, he puts on a mask. He doesn't seem to want to do it, but he puts on the mask, and oh. she gives them a button that says "compliant," and the button has the communist hammer and sickle on it. So this this socialist lady is rewarding that hardworking white American male for being compliant. Now what's happening? <laughs> 
Oh, now I don't know what... <clears throat> she's walking on the street with a bunch of chains like dog leashes, but we don't know what's on the leashes yet. Yeah. It's, so they're all they're walking on the street. They're wearing masks, this all-American man and his wife. And here's some gimps. Oh, it's gimps. So this, Just, uh, you know, walking my gimps. So the Chinese communist lady is uh, walking these gimps that are chained to her. And I don't know who they're supposed to represent. She's got a... The, her button says exempt, and it's got like the Chinese red and yellow stars on it. But now, oh, all of a sudden, something's happened. Um, now she sees oh, the American shit. flag. Oh, shit. And she's offended by it. Oh, my God. And then the, the all-American guy, he's confused, So, but this lady's mad. So she unleashes the gimps, and the gimps break into the popcorn stand where the American flag was, and they start smashing it up. So and, what, what? I don't get... I think like Colin Kaepernick's like I think it's supposed to be like Antifa, right? Oh, okay. Right? Like like just like so here are these hoodlums smashing up on a, a stand because it had the American flag on it. They don't appreciate what they got. So now uh now the uh the all American guy, he takes his mask off. And oh he, shit. And so does his hot girlfriend and he walks up towards the the hot dog stand and he's gonna he's gonna stop this. And here's Ivan Moody and, and the rest of the band, and they're charging with an American flag in their hands. Oh my god, dude! <laughs> just, what are they charging against? Who's the enemy? Like the idea of people. To, <laughs> I don't know, man. You're asking me to get in the psyche of a, a Trump supporter here. Yeah, like it's just there's a lot of like suggestive logos of like socialists and like like I it's, think the, I think the, the the Chinese button woman is supposed to be Hillary Clinton or. Or someone like that. Oh, and oh! Then, a founding father just woke up from his nightmare. This was all, yeah, a, it's nightmare. all a dream. And they want him to sign, I guess, the Declaration of Independence. So this is, so this is the, this is the nightmare of George Washington that one day his people would live in a world where people had to briefly wear masks to avoid a dangerous <laughs> like disease <laughs> it's so, Dude, okay i so you guys are gonna have to just watch that do your homework on it because that was fucking that was wild it was there's a lot going on there that's a lot like, to unpack a lot more than when we tried doing this with um allison gold yeah no because this was you'd have to get into like how misled uh people with these beliefs are Yes. In the first place of like, like you said, what are they even charging against? It's this vague idea of what they perceive as their enemy, but they, they themselves can't define it. If they could, they'd put it in the fucking video. Instead, yeah. they made a lady, a normal white lady with a Chinese pin and a bunch of gimps on chains. And that was their <laughs> enemy that they, I, I'm I think so confused. I think this is their attempt to try and be artistic. And, uh, and it's this theme of like, we're the real Americans. We're gonna stand up to all this authoritarian nonsense and and like you, just yeah. You want to be like guys? COVID is a virus. Yes. Stand up to it by getting vaccinated. Jesus Christ. I know, but like just for again for people who don't live in this country, there was a very very large segment of the population that viewed the you know minor restrictions that we place to try to combat the disease as an authoritarian overreach <laughs> you know the same people who by the way like support every war and the patriarch and every oh, God, bad thing that like we've done like to they're the law and order party 
Yeah. So it's just, it's more dog whistling than actual art going on in this video. Uh, yeah, that we yeah. might, we're going to have to almost unpack that. We could it, do at a, a deeper yeah. level. We could do a whole episode on that video. It's 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 so strange, but I guess for the record, I to be fair, I should uh, share with you Five Fingers' take on this because they said when people accused them of being anti-mask, they were like, "Oh no no, it's it's not anti-mask." How is it not? <laughs> I'm so con- like the plot line of the video, like they all save the day when they rip their masks off. Like I don't yeah, understand. Well- so this is uh, Zoltan Bathory's uh, statement uh, in response to the controversy surrounding the video. He says, uh, quote, As much as some news sites used anti-mask as a clickbait title, uh, let's, make the, let's make it crystal clear. In a fictional story amongst chopping cart zombies, Tide Pod eating fat superheroes, and all the other metaphors. Yeah, they're metaphors, Cal, don't you get it? Why would anyone think the mask scene isn't one? The mask segments are about hypocrisy on the highest level, when the rules are made for you, but those who made them are exempt. Pretty much the standard in all dictatorships and totalitarian regimes. I had the displeasure of growing up in one. That's true, by the way. He grew up in Soviet Hungary. Like, okay. so, so, hence the reference, he says, to continue his quote. So no, the scene in question is not about the masks. It is not an anti-mask message. In fact, you can go to fivefingerdeathpunch.com right now and buy some cool ones. Oh my god. So that's I mean that's that's just a, a I'm going to hawk my masks. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, that's that's smart of him, I guess. But like but I just I don't get what he's saying. Like it's about hypocrisy on the highest level when the rules are made for you, but those who made them but, are exempt. Like but like I'm willing to bet these are all big Trump guys and it's like he is the rules at the highest level. So what the fuck are you talking about? And as soon as like Fauci started telling people to wear masks, he wore one himself. And like, you know, I'm not maybe not Trump, but real leaders like, you know, like Gavin Newsom in California, Tony Evers here in Wisconsin, like uh, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, they wore masks the entire time. Joe Biden like basically stayed out of the entire presidential campaign because he was trying to encourage people to socially distance. Like, right. What what is he talking about? Like, who's Who's like being hypocrites about masks? What I don't I don't that, get it. That sums up the the entire thing with all these people is they're they're living this alternate reality. And if you were to ask them, I don't think they're going to explain it in a coherent way to you. Yeah. And so, like we said, like I think Zoltan, like even more so than Ivan Moody, is like the one that's principally responsible for like a lot of the super right wing stuff in, in a five finger death punch. I could see that Ivan just, he's very personal. Yes. He's very involved in just his life, his feelings, narcissist guy. Yes. But Zoltan, like he grew up in a, in a communist country. And so like, like a lot of people that grow up in those types of regimes and, and I'm not minimizing that like communism sucks. Like you, you don't want to grow up in, in that type of uh like uh, government, but but a lot of people like when they come to a place like America, they like almost overcompensate a yeah. little bit. And he's like the most raw raw USA guy that you can imagine, and that leads to you kind of ignoring some of the things that are fucked up about the American government and yep. the and American society. But nevertheless, that wasn't the only cringy thing to come from the FFDP universe in 2020. That same year, drummer Jeremy Spencer who had left the band in 2018, returned with a brand new side project, Psychosexual. 
<laughs> and I, I got to thank Cal for turning me on to this, like literally days before we were supposed to record. Like he told me that, like, I knew that the guy did a, some kind of side project, but he told me like the drummer from five finger did this, uh, other band. You absolutely have to cover it. Yeah. I, I saw it on a, a worst albums of the year list. <laughs> it, it deservedly. And, so. And then when I saw that it was the guy from five finger, I was like, Oh, we're, we're sticking this in right at the end. So just to give you a little bit of background, uh, so Jeremy Spencer left Five Finger Death Punch in 2018. He said it was because of back issues. He did have back surgery and had to recover from that. But then uh, six months after that, he announced that he had been sworn in as a police reserve officer in his hometown of Rockport, Indiana. Yep, he uh he he became a cop or or not a not a real <laughs> a not, a, cop. not a cop but a reserve cop in Rockport, Indiana. <laughs> Do you know how many people live in Rockport, Indiana, Cal? Uh, 2000. 2270. Nice. <laughs> that was a good prices right type yeah, of guess. Right. Yeah, so obviously that town needs a lot of extra help they, they dealing need with the reserve their cops. massive crime problem. <laughs> so, it's if you need two people to hold down drunk grandpa rebus or <laughs> all three of the teenagers are loitering in front of the gas station quick where's the guy from that band <laughs> call him up he's got to get down here <laughs> so i mean I, I guess he he said the whole thing was about like giving back to the community like but like come on dude you're just trying you're just trying to look cool like yeah it's, it's like Remember that one lyric from uh, that Dead Kennedys song, like, or the, the guy who shows off his guns to his 16-year-old daughter's friends whose sense of pride and joy is being in the police reserve? Like, that's Jeremy <laughs> that's Spencer. <laughs> so, All right. So he did that. He became a police reserve officer. I'm sure he took lots of bullets and saved lots of lives in <laughs> Indiana. But, but, he had, but he had bigger things to do than that. So... In September of 2019, Spencer announced that he would be acting, directing, writing, and providing music for a softcore porn parody series called Lady Killer TV. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this this thing, and I haven't been able to dig it up. I'm not sure I want to. I think the, the idea is that like each episode of this show thing, whatever it is, it's supposed to be a spoof of a classic horror movie. And they've got like these like kind of softcore porn actresses and they just, I'm is sure it's super even, clever. Is there even a market for softcore porn? Like who's watching that? <laughs> it's gotta be like a 65 year old who has a dial up modem and that's why he's stuck yeah, watching it. Yeah. It's just like guys in the Midwest who are so repressed that even though we live in this golden age of internet access to whatever you want, you're still kind of wading your way through the waters of softcore. <laughs> well, that's a little wild for me. I don't know about that. <laughs> but then, uh, so that's just like, that's the kind of guy that Jeremy Spencer is. And, uh, and so then flash forward about a year later to 2020, when he launches this band, Psychosexual. A Psychosexual call themselves a shock rock group. And the whole gimmick is that he dresses up as the devil. He calls himself Devil Daddy. Ugh. And his costume is like, it's, you'd think it like because they're in a metal band, that'd be like this really cool, like, you know, like goat, 
you know, skin Lucifer mask, but no, it's like this fucking like party city. Yeah. Like, like, like just 50s imagine devil it's costume. It's the blue man group, except it's the red man guy. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, just, it's just him in red paint. <laughs> I read myself. <laughs> and uh, like, just, 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 just fucking play this song. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I almost feel like we got to apologize to our audience for subjecting them to that. He somehow, in trying to make his weird sex band, like made the only song that guarantees no woman will be within 150 feet of him. Oh, I don't like, right, ladies? Did you all get wet to that? Like, it's like, oh. And dude, this just goes to this is exactly how I picture a reserved cop in Rockford, Indiana. (laughs) Is this man? This is edgy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's the, this is the upholder of the law in that area. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know where to begin with this. Like, obviously, the music, the production are garbage. The lyrics are an absolute atrocity. He can't sing. Like, obviously, there's a lot of processing on the vocals. Yeah. Like, it's just like, I almost feel like Ivan Moody put him up to this. <laughs> Because he wanted to People make himself like seem like a better, much the same way that like we kind of reevaluated Fred Durst ever here, Ivan Moody. Yeah. Now I'm kind of thinking, Ivan's not so Ivan's bad. not that bad. He's <laughs> like, not that fucking weird drummer that became the <laughs> devil daddy or whatever. Dude, I just, I, when that song starts, like, I can't think of a single person I know, even the biggest pieces of shit I know, <laughs> who would hear that and be like, oh, fuck yeah, this is my song. That's no. it's awkward, man. It's cringy. It's, it's just so... Ugh. And like the the whole thing, it's it's shock rock that doesn't shock. It, I mean, it shocks in how bad it is. But like, imagine like like no one's gonna be offended by that. It's twenty twenty one at the time we're recording this. Like people have seen pretty much everything. I mean, maybe in like nineteen fifty one, what he's doing is gonna seem edgy and like ooh, this is gonna ruffle some feathers. Yeah, sh- <laughs> to, to actually ruffle feathers anymore, it needs to be a little based in reality somehow. Yes, like like make a song about how much you don't like Trump. Or, yeah, you know, or a podcast or how, that's a today's example. Or how much you do like Trump? Like just like that's either one. That's really the only way to really like yeah, you'll get piss people, people all down your throat. But like this is like kind of like hearkening back to kind of like pmrc era yeah. like offense it's like where, where people like the mere mention of the devil is enough to like kind of set people on edge i could picture like my most sheltered co-workers probably hearing that and just kind of be like this is gross and turning it off in like 15 seconds yeah it's not yeah. gonna change their life like, oh my god he's talking about satan and sex <laughs> 
So, so this album was released in uh, in the middle of 2020. The reviews were predictably <laughs> pretty bad. And then, uh, interestingly, in early 2021, they pulled the entire thing off of all streaming platforms at, like and basically off of the internet entirely. And we, we were lucky enough to get that little clip that we played for you. But uh, like, so they just, they just pulled this entire thing without explanation. And uh, it's because he figured it out. He's like, oh, the douchebag Ivan set me up. He says it'd be cool. <laughs> I mean, what he says is that uh, they put out the album, but then they wrote this other song called Devil from Hell, which he thought was like a better introduction to the band and a better single. It's not. Trust us, it's it's just as bad as this garbage. But the the, the the chorus literally goes, I'm a devil from hell, a motherfucking devil from hell. But, wow. Yeah. Subversive. No, it's, if you really want to, you know, Google devil from hell and listen to this absolute masterpiece of a single. But no, it's just, it's absolute garbage. And it's just, it makes me uncomfortable that he doesn't seem to realize how bad it is. Yeah. It's just like, I, I honest, it's so awful. I honestly feel bad for him. I guarantee you that man has never given a human being an orgasm. <laughs> his- oh God. No. It's like, okay. Hey, yeah. I get to fuck the guy from five finger death punch. Like two days later, Oh, my head hurts. And that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> That's this guy's entire life. All right. So that about wraps up our timeline of Five Finger Death Punch. And here I want to just kind of take a moment to talk about some of the larger issues that surround this band. And in particular, I want to talk about two things. The relationship between this band and the metal community and the relationship between the band and America's military. So let's start with a metal thing. When Five Finger Death Punch uh, first started, when they released their first album, they accompanied it with this uh, this little kind of manifesto, which described their music as, quote, true metal, undiluted, raw as metal was always meant to be. In fact, for Five Finger Death Punch, it was important that everyone involved at any stage of the recording was a diehard metalhead. So so they, they clearly care about, you know, being perceived as authentically metal, but that's not really how it turned out, as we've already mentioned. And just to kind of give you an an example of what we're talking about, consider this quote from a writer named Christy Love. She's a self-identified metalhead who writes for the Houston Press. She writes, quote, While the foundations of metal were laid by the sludgy, down-tuned guitars of doom and darkness from bands like Black Sabbath, St. Vitus, Pentagram, and Venom, Bro Metal is the redneck cousin that shows up to family holidays proudly displaying his ignorance. You know the type. The aggro, angry, self-righteous, ostentatious display of hyper-masculinity that a fellow Houston press writer once described as, quote, bad riffs and some cretin with a shaved head barking about being tough. I think that's pretty on point. Yeah, it's it's hard to follow that up. She put that very well. So, and I know that, you know, we mentioned in the beginning and fans of the show already kind of know that like, Cal, you are like the much bigger metalhead uh, between the two of us. So why, why do you think that metal fans have just such a strong reaction to Five Finger Death Punch? I think it is the appropriation of our genre, much like what pissed off true old school rap fans about people like Vanilla Ice. Mm-hmm. 
This is watching like you set up a cool party with your friends and then a bunch of fucking jocks show up and say, we're bringing the party. We're the real party. <laughs> Completely misunderstanding what you were doing, what you even like in the first place. Yeah. So when they say that they're true metal, that is, it's a gross misunderstanding of what metalheads even like in the genre. So what what do metalheads like that Five Finger Death Punch like maybe misses out on or doesn't provide? Well, there's a, a couple types. So what you'll find really quickly with metalheads if you go to a lot of shows is they're not all testosteroned up angry bros usually. No. Like, it's mostly fucking nerds. Yeah, they're like it fucking, really is. They're like D and D type yeah. kids most of the time, right? Yeah, and that's what I was gonna, I guess, get into. Is so a lot of people that like it played some type of instrument growing up, and you know, either guitar, or drums, or whatever. And these are the kids that tend to get into metal, like Dream Theater. Yeah, like that the, they like the uh, virtuosic playing. It's, it's very, it's very technically complex, you know, yeah. progressive music. And these types, in a lot of cases, they want to hear time signature changes, weird keys, yes. experimentation, which you don't get in most other genres outside, outside of like, like jazz, jazz. Yeah, you know, which jazz, nobody listens really. to anymore. Yeah, so like metal, like is one of the few genres where musical sophistication seems to be actively encouraged and welcomed. Yes. And then, like, I mean, you heard all those songs that we played. Like, they're it's, good, it's pop like, music. but it's but it's not sophisticated, and it's it's still very much in line with uh, the types of uh, chord progressions and song structures that you associate with pop rock music. Well, um, and then there's the types that like they get really into like you know heavy death metal or black metal or uh, you know even like funeral doom, all the weird genres. Yeah, and these are the types that value like outsider music just like just like a punk rock person they want it to be off-putting they want it that not everyone likes this yeah if you listen to our uh discharge minisode and you just you probably heard some sounds that kind of maybe like might have freaked you out a little bit and that's okay but like but there's a whole universe of people who kind of want to gravitate towards something like that like that's yeah that's kind of the point it's like i don't like uh mainstream music or like I don't associate well with, you know, the average person. Yes. And that's why, like, you're not going to see Burzum topping the charts. That's not the <laughs> point of that band. It's yeah. trying to capture people who feel alienated, and it's making a purposely off-putting sound. And that's another spot that Five Finger just missed. They don't even try and hit that mark. They're trying to sell records. They're yes. trying to be big. No, like, they are, they are a pop band. And there's nothing objectively wrong with being a pop band. But I think a lot of people come into five finger death punch and maybe that's like one of the only metal bands that they know about yeah it's like that and metallica are yeah there. so like people like i think metalheads just want the rest of the world to realize that there's more to it than that i think the analogy i i thought of yes you know, so i eat a lot of sushi i really like sushi <laughs> and i just thought you know let's say you're you're really into like you just want a piece of raw fish on some rice and you're really into this and you it gets you really excited to try new kinds or like you know where the fish is sourced. You have a favorite restaurant and you know when they get their freshest fish in. Yeah. You're super into it and then you meet someone and they're like, oh, I like sushi too. And you're like, wow, really? Maybe I can have a good conversation with this person. Let's go get <laughs> California rolls at Hy-Vee. That's what this is. <laughs> exactly. So when you, someone's like, oh, I like heavy metal. You ever listen to Five Finger Death Punch? There's like this profound disappointment of like, uh, Did I- never mind. Dude, I've uh, I've worked in the coffee industry for you know like over ten years now, and 
you know, I've worked with some very, you know, high end, like some of the like, like revered, like artisan coffee roasters in, in Wisconsin. And so one place that I used to work at, we, sh- we served a, a brand that, that I'm, I'm very fond of and very proud of. And they like, they source everything that they grow and they roast it to absolute dialed in perfection. And they are very serious about like how they present and how they brew their coffee. And like, I, I had a new customer come in and try it. And literally the response was like, yeah, this is like as good as McDonald's. Oh God. <laughs> I know. And then you're, you just die inside. You're like, thanks, I guess. Yeah. And like fuck being, you though, for- like being a customer service guy, be like, yeah, well, thank you. That's great. <laughs> inside you're dying. <laughs> but you know, one kind of devil's advocate argument I, I want to throw out there, and and I'm glad you mentioned uh, Burzum earlier because this, you know, he's going to probably come up in this. You know, in that Christie Love quote, we kind of talked about all the toxicity of a uh, five finger death punch and their their culture of like the agro hyper masculine, and and it's all bad. Like yeah. you know, we and clearly it manifests itself in real life too in some bad ways, but. With a lot of metal bands, like including some very revered artists, you know, like Burzum, you know, there's some very problematic politics yeah. in, in that scene totally. as well. And perhaps you can elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, like, I'll I'll just you keep using Burzum example. He's the if anyone has heard of black metal at all in our audience, they probably already know this guy. Yeah. He was famous for he burned a bunch of churches in Norway. Yes. And then he went on to murder his former bandmate. And then when he got out of jail for doing that, he made a lot of really racist ass YouTube videos. Yeah. Talking about just the superiority <laughs> superiority of his people, basically. Yeah, that's kind of like merging, you know, it's like a weird merger of like you know norwegian folklore and like paganism and yeah. like nazis and just really just kind of creepy dude in his basement shit it is <laughs> it's totally in in the thing with you know his name's varg in real life the thing with him is i'm not gonna defend him he's a piece of shit yeah. he really is but i think the difference between what what he does and, and a lot of bands like it with black metal the f- the focus isn't on the lyrics so much he writes these long atmospheric pieces and the vocals are usually back in the track and they're sung in Norwegian uh, or, or most of these are in other languages. Yeah. And they're usually about like orcs and shit. They're usually not <laughs> yeah. even remotely about any of his personal beliefs. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's easier to separate the art from the artist then. You can just say, yeah, Varg sucks, but I'd like that one album he made about a bunch of Lord of the Rings crap. Yeah. And the difference between that and Five Finger Death Punch, even though what Varg does is objectively worse, he mm-hmm. did terrible things. Yeah. Five Finger Death Punch puts it right on their forehead like a fucking advertisement. Yeah. And, and those lyrics are the main focus. It's true. Like, like Five Finger Death Punch doesn't work if you don't understand every single line that he says. Right. You are supposed to relate to it hard. And and there's actually a, a quote that I found from Ivan Moody where he was asked why his band has succeeded where other metal groups haven't been as successful. And he kind of intimated that part of it was because his lyrics are so accessible. And he offered this quote, which I just think is kind of juicy. He says, quote, 
A lot of metal guys are too busy writing songs about burning churches and holding swords in the air while riding off on stallions. I don't get it. <laughs> you know, he's, he's not wrong. Yeah, right? And that is, again, that goes to what I was saying. It's like, yeah, that is why you sold millions, Ivan, and, and Varg has not. Yeah. But again, it's kind of missing the point of like, Varg was never trying to sell millions. He's a no. messed up dude making messed up music for a few people that are morbidly curious about that kind of thing. Yeah. I guess like, you know, the the most like charitable thing I could say towards like Ivan's side of that argument is like like yeah, like people generally recognize that Burzum's politics are shit, but like the metal intelligentsia, like the people who like are the the critics and the the hardcore fans of black metal like they respect Burzum, or at least they respect Burzum's music, yeah. even though they don't respect him. You know, whereas with uh, Ivan Moody, they don't respect either him or the music. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and then that clearly triggers him. He's written a number of songs that are clearly about how much he doesn't care what you snobby metalheads think, when clearly he does. <laughs> well, and that's also what's weird to me that real metal to him is about beating your chest and posturing and <laughs> cuz let's let's get off the racist bands. Let's say like Black Sabbath or Pentagram, like an old school 70s group. Yeah. Most of this stuff is just about like fantasy and escapism and yes. and occasionally about politics, but it's usually easy light politics like nuclear war is bad. Like it's Exactly, not, yeah. They're not getting too deep on anything. So for him to sit there and say, like, real metal is about, you know, getting in there and talking about people you want to beat the shit out of. It's like, not really, dude. This is your interpretation. Yeah, absolutely. So that uh, it kind of brings us to the next thing I want to talk about. And it's, this is kind of more towards the political side of Five Finger Death Punch. And specifically, I want to kind of break down the the intense bond that exists between this band and the American military. Now, from day one, Five Finger Death Punch have been outspoken proponents of America's soldiers and law enforcement. And while their support the troops message is one that's pretty much ubiquitous in American culture, I would argue that perhaps this association is more problematic than it might initially appear. Now, this is a very delicate issue, and I want to clarify exactly what I mean. First of all, Cal and I have nothing but respect for the men and women who serve in America's military and every other country's military, for that matter. Second, we want to acknowledge that the members of Five Finger Death Punch have done a great deal of charity work supporting causes related to military and law enforcement, and for this, they genuinely deserve credit. The band has been particularly attentive to the problems of homelessness and post-traumatic stress disorder among U.S. veterans. In fact, their music video for The Wrong Side of Heaven was entirely devoted to the subject. And indeed, this is a major problem. According to the most recent estimates, between 10 and 20% of veterans suffer from PTSD, and over 37,000 vets are without stable housing. But here's the thing. Homelessness is not a problem exclusive to veterans. At least 580,000 Americans were homeless as of January 2020, and that was before the COVID pandemic. This situation, in my view, is absolutely inexcusable. I don't care how bad somebody has fucked up their life. Nobody, nobody deserves to live without stable housing. Least of all in the richest country in the history of the world. And if you think America just lacks the resources to end homelessness, you're wrong. According to the Department of Housing and Urban Development, it would cost around $20 billion to end homelessness in the United States. 
we could come up with that figure by cutting our annual military budget by less than 5%. And this brings us to another problem with the homeless veterans crusade. The curses of mental illness, poverty, and addiction among America's veterans are very real. But the best thing we could do to solve this crisis is to stop making veterans. And again, I'm not disrespecting those who serve in our armed forces. They're heroes. They really are. But veterans only exist because war exists. And for far too long, the American government has been addicted to war. The United States has over 800 military bases in 70 nations around the world. And that's not counting the thousands in our own country. Since 2001, we've spent over $2 trillion and dropped an average of 46 bombs a day in the name of fighting terrorism. The modern war in Afghanistan is estimated to have killed 110,000 civilians. And the 2003 invasion of Iraq has killed anywhere between 100,000 and over 600,000 Iraqis. Nobody ever talks about that. Nobody ever talks about how many people died in Iraq and Afghanistan because of what we've done. And guess what? None of those deaths have made your life any safer, but all of them have been financed by your tax dollars. And again, the individual soldiers, the people, like the actual troops serving in these conflicts, they're not to blame. Obviously not. I'm just saying that when you valorize the experience of the troops and we, we should do that. We should point out their individual sacrifice. But you have to balance that with a systemic critique of America's foreign policy. Otherwise, it, this pointless cycle of death and destruction is just going to continue. And I would argue that if Five Finger Death Punch and their fans were half as tough and manly as they think they are, they'd redirect their rage toward the politicians and the culture that made this imperial monstrosity possible. I'm that was a long rant and I, I'm sorry Cal like, <laughs> like but like I just like I just feel that whenever we deal with this like support the troops stuff like there's another side to that conversation that nobody ever brings up and it just has to be said no I fully agree that's the problem with generic phrases like support the troops I'll support a troop I will support a, like I re, like you said I respect the individuals that do this Support the troops as a blanket statement like any war we're involved in, no matter what happens and any war crimes we go out and commit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can't sit there and support it. Sorry. Yeah. Support the troops can mean many things. Yes. I mean, and, and that's what's weird to the band like Five Finger Death Punch. And I agree with you, it's problematic. One of their albums is literally called War is the Answer, or one of their songs. <laughs> yeah. And that's when you start to do things like, all right, guys, it's great that you give to charity and everything, but. If you didn't, uh, what is it, glamorize the cause of these things in the they, first they, place. They do glamorize it. Absolutely, they do. I mean, their, their whole their whole thing, that, that song, Boots and Blood, that we played. Like, it yeah. just, it, it's only possible in a culture that values these types of experiences and will, you know, go out of its way to create more of them, even if that's not necessarily the best thing in a geopolitical macro sense, right? Yep. There's no questioning. As far as I can tell, there are some songs where they kind of say that soldiers get a raw deal from politicians, which is absolutely true in my opinion. But there's never any song that I've seen in Five Finger Death Punch that questioned the need to invade Iraq or or stay in Afghanistan for 20 years right? or anything like that. Most of the shit are, we do. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, And I just... 
I feel like that's something that this is something both parties are guilty of. Joe Biden, Donald Trump, Barack Obama and George W. Bush are all equally guilty of, you know, just not being able to draw down this Death Star that is, you know, the American Defense Department. Yeah. So, and I'm not saying that Five Finger Death Punch are responsible for it. (laughs) All I'm saying is just like, at least like, just try to think about the reasons why we're, we're, we're having these conflicts. Like, you liberal pussy. I know, I know. Just, I just, uh, just a fucking ingrate. Doesn't (laughs) care about America. You're a fake. (laughs) fake. (laughs) All right. So my final verdict is this. Yeah, like we said, musically speaking, I don't think Five Finger Death Punch are all that bad. They're not especially creative or innovative, but neither are a lot of bands that I like. I think the hatred they've engendered has a lot more to do with the band's image, as well as the feeling that perhaps they've eclipsed other bands who were perhaps more worthy of their level of success. If you're a metalhead specifically, I think Five Finger Death Punch is a lot worse to you. Whereas if you're kind of indifferent to the genre, uh, they're just... They're just a metal band. If I'm, I'm thinking more like if you're weighing them against the other bands that we've covered on this show, which admittedly is yeah. a low bar, but like just okay, just take five random bands. There's like uh, Five Finger Death Punch and the Bee Gees and Nirvana and uh, you know Green Day and uh, BTS and like Hillary Duff. Like they're <laughs> like in the middle of that pack, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like not the best, not the worst. Besides the obviously horrific assaults committed by Ivan Moody, I think the most substantive critique you can level against FFDP is that they take shortcuts. They took the head-banging, moshable riffs of metal and stapled them to a vapid, angsty lyrics that a nine-year-old could get. And they knew that there was a vast audience out there for people who were looking for this, and, you know, this and nothing more. You know, the kind of kinds of guys that are pissed off at their boss or their ex or their disapproving stepdad and they're just looking for a musical middle finger to shove in everybody's faces took my genre (laughs) and that's what we've been kind of trying to hint at the whole time is that heavy metal is one of the most diverse creative genres in all of music it's not for everybody if you don't like metal we're not going to hold it against you but If you judge the entirety of heavy metal by the likes of Five Finger Death Punch, all I can say is, Burn, motherfucker, burn, motherfucker, burn! Fuck yeah. (laughs) Alright. Thank you guys so much again for listening. I know it took a while to get this episode out there. Uh, you know, we've been kind of taking some time to retool our game. We've got a bunch of uh, new shit coming down the pipeline. We really want to like just thank all of you for sticking with us, for sharing us on social media, telling your friends, and just helping this thing grow into something that we're you know starting to become pretty proud of. Right, Cal? Oh, hell yeah. So obviously, uh, we encourage you to reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, just, you know, Google Polishing Turds. You'll, you'll find us eventually. If you want to email us, Polishing Turds. Oh, we're Turds. first now, man. Oh, yeah. We're getting, we're getting yeah, up we're in the algorithm. <laughs> so email us at polishingturdspodcast at gmail.com. We get songs, we get song and artist suggestions every day, and I welcome every single one of them. It, it, it does not annoy me. I, I really want people to We will to, get to yours, that. too. Yeah, we'll, we'll do we, it. In the fullness of time, we will get to all of them. 
So now to play us out, we want to do something a little bit special. We have a, uh, a close friend and a super fan of the show named uh, Sam. He goes by the musical moniker Samtar. And he puts out uh, independent music that we are both uh, very fond of. He's a very creative and talented musician. So wanted to uh, try playing one of his songs, eh? Yeah, this one is uh, Drunk Vampire. Yeah, Drunk Vampire. You can find it on Spotify. Just uh, search for Samtar. Good night, everybody. Right, play us out, Sam.
I've wasted a lot of time and effort on motherfuckers like you. Now it's my turn. One, two, three. Fuck you. Fuck you. You can run away from anything that you have ever done. You're a victim to the system. You're a knife and I'm a gun. You want to be a martyr, but you cannot take the pain. You're a voice without an echo. You're a droplet. I'm the rain. You want me to just turn the other cheek? Want me to admit that I am weak? Want me to submit? That ain't me. That ain't me.